0: These eyewitnesses. If you guys are taking notes, uh, this is uh, just the introduction today. Uh, we're not going to go over any specific disciple, uh, but we're just going to set a foundation and a base for us to build off of. Okay. Um, but when you think of the twelve disciples, uh, what what names come to mind? Peter. Okay. What else? John. Okay. What else? Who else? Matthew. Come on, someone else other than Henry. Yeah. Judas, right? We definitely know that guy for sure. Who else? Anyone else come to mind? Mark. Okay, Mark is actually not a disciple. You'll see that today. There's some different ones. He wrote a gospel, but he had some influence from some other people. Yeah. What was that? Yeah, he's kind of got a hard name. I'm not even going to say it. Bartholomew, right? Uh, For sure. What about when you think of the 12, what kind of stories or situations uh, come to mind. Think about some different maybe situations or stories that you've heard over the years uh, or you've heard before at all uh, with Jesus and the disciples. What, what kind of things come to mind? Yeah. The Last Supper, the Last Supper right? That's that, that's that big table that they're all sitting on the same side for some reason. Super weird. That's not actually how it looked, by the way. Um, but yeah, Last Supper, right? We know that one from the famous picture. What else, Henry? He worked miracles. He worked miracles. Okay, like give me one. Okay. And what was the disciples role in all that? They handed it out, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Jesus walked on water. Who who did he call to walk on water with him? Peter, right? And did, what happened with Peter? the lake, right? The, exactly, the Sea of Galilee. It's a, it's, they call it a sea, but it's really just a big lake. So good job. Um, but right, and we know these guys. Uh, man, there's so many different stories. We could probably go on and on with all the names and all the different uh, stories and situations that we've heard of. I know I can. Uh, but this, the, that they're called the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles. And there seems to be, though, something very specific and different because you and I were supposed to be disciples of Jesus, Right? A disciple, it just means a student or a follower. That word would be followers of Jesus. But what makes the 12 different? Jesus specifically chose them. He didn't choose 10. He didn't choose 13. There was 12 guys he specifically chose. And we're gonna see what he chose to do with them. But within the 12, there was a specific three that he poured into the 12 and poured out his life with them and spent with them but there's three specific ones that was in his inner circle. I like to call them the big three. Does anyone know who they are? Peter is one of them. Yeah. Matthew's not one of them. Yeah. James and John, right? It's Peter, James, and John. You can write that down. That's, that is the, what is referred to as the inner circle or, well, I, don't, I don't know why I like to call them, just the big three. They're, they're, those are the guys that Jesus said, I'm going to pour into them even more, And you might say, well, that's not fair. What about the other disciples? What about Philip? I mean, come on. Why not Philip? Why not Thomas? Why aren't they in the inner three? Well, Jesus had a plan. This was all part of the plan that he used a few people to impact the masses. You see, you and I might look at Jesus' tactics and his plan and his methods as not, not as effective. Like, why didn't when Jesus come... He got one of the, you know, he went to the Roman Colosseum and, and had everyone who could fit in there. And then he shows himself as God, does a miracle, and then everyone believes. Why didn't he do that? Well, you see, uh, Jesus was into the long term, not the short term. And how he was going to change the world for the rest of history was going to be through these 12 guys. And even more specifically, through these three guys. You see, he did this in a way, because he's Jesus, that... The others wouldn't have been jealous of Peter, James, and John. It's not that he was. It's not that they were playing. It's not that he was playing favorites, and this would create division and jealousy. But he did it in a way uh, because this was his plan to make the biggest impact on the world. Uh, Des, you can put up Acts seventeen. This was a time later on uh, after Jesus ascended and the disciples were going and this was said about the disciples. It says, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. This is what the disciples did, that they shook the world. This was Jesus' plan from the very beginning and uh, you see how they, they, this claim against them was that, man, these, these guys came here too and they're turning the whole world upside down. I think a more likely scenario would be that they're turning the world right side up. You see, God often does big things with small numbers. Write that down. God very often does big things with small numbers. And he certainly did that with these 12. But the names, some of you said some of them, some of them are more familiar than others, no doubt. But back in the day, people were named for uh, more specific reasons. Uh, We're named typically before we come out, right, of our our mom. Uh, We're already named. It's already determined. It's already written on our nursery, and it's already done, right? But back then, they would wait a little while. They'd wait to see what is the child like? What are the characteristics? What what is the child's personality? And then they would name uh, based off that. And so as we get into the different disciples, we'll kind of pick some of that apart and just, just look into uh, the different names, because I, I do think there is some significance there. But uh, I was listening to someone, it was a while ago, a few years ago for sure, uh, and they were, they were speaking and they were talking about knowing the Bible. And they're talking about uh, Bible knowledge, right? And I was very convicted because he said something along the lines of, um, you know, uh, something along the lines of, do you know the starting lineup for the Dodgers or for what, whatever team? And I, I definitely applied it to myself. I was like, yeah, I could name off, you know, who's playing first, who's playing second, who's at home, even who's on the bench, uh, who, the bullpen, the, the head coach, the owner, and I could name all those guys, right? And then he said it, not, not in a condemning way, uh, but just in a very sincere, like, well, do you know the names of the 12 disciples? And at first it can be like, well, I don't need to know the names, who cares, but if these are the 12 people that when Jesus was here, he chose, do you think we should at least know their names? I, I definitely think so. And it was convicting for me. Maybe you're not a baseball fan, but maybe it's different bands or songs that you know, oh, the years that this album came out and all the different songs on there. And everyone who's in the band, who's associated, and oh yeah, he played with this one back in 2016, you know, all that. Or whatever your thing is. But do you know the names of the 12 disciples? Jesus picked them, and it's for a reason, and we should at least know their names. And I know for me, uh, right now I, I might be able to recite all the 12, uh, but I know that's not normal, uh, only just because I was studying earlier these past few days. But anyone here? can you anyone name the 12 disciples? Does anyone think they could come close? Yeah. You want to give it a go? The what? And you memorized it? That counts. What are they? Close. Did you say Thomas too? Okay, for, that was awesome. I can mean, give, give a round of applause. That's like, that was pretty dang good. You definitely get something from the snack bar after, so come and see me. That was, that was impressive. That's cool. Um, and it's not that they're, okay, we know the names, so now we're like more holy, but it's just good. It's good for us to have this Bible knowledge, um, but you can put the names up on the screen. Uh, these are the 12. Uh, some of them go by a variety of names. I'll just go through them. Uh, The 12, you find this in Matthew chapter 10, Mark chapter 3, and Luke chapter 6. The first one, right, she mentions Simon uh, is his original name, and Peter is his name given by Jesus. We'll look at that more and why that was. Uh, He was the son of Jonah. Uh, Andrew was Peter's brothers. So just know this. Within the 12 disciples, uh, there's two sets of brothers. It's Peter and Andrew and James and John. And Peter and Andrew and James and John, they were, they were friends. So they all four even hung out before Jesus came, even came to the picture. Uh, they, were, they were all fishermen uh, within uh, Galilee. And so there's Simon, Andrew. Uh, there's James, the son of Zebedee, which James and John had the same dad, of course. Uh, and Jesus called those two, James and John, a certain something. Does anyone know? The sons of? sons of thunder, right? Uh, we'll look at more about that as well. Uh, number five, Philip. We, we find more about him in the book of Acts. Uh, there's Bartholomew, uh, which is also, uh, his name can sometimes uh, is Nathaniel as well. That was his other name. Uh, seven, uh, Thomas. We know him as Thomas the doubter. Um, Matthew, he's tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus. Uh, and then this, this uh, the 10th guy, uh, he has three different names that I found, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Labius, Thaddeus, and Judas, the son of James. It's like, dude, pick a name. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but that's just how it rolled back then sometimes. Number 11, uh, Simon, uh, the Canaanite or the Zealot. Um, and then number 12, uh, very famously, Judas Iscariot, right? And uh, you're like, well, why the 12? Like what I was saying before, why not? why not just 10 of the guys? Why not just the three? Why not just Peter, James, and John? And then why was it Andrew in the big three? I don't know. I I don't know. But there seems to be, guys, something significant to the Lord about the number 12. And I won't get into all the different things and theories out there, but there really does seem to be something significant about the number 12. Can anyone else think about in the Bible uh, something with the number 12? Yeah. 12 tribes of Israel, right? There's uh, all those different ones. And uh, it seems to be a pattern here, no doubt, And I just think it's interesting. And interestingly enough, when describing what the new Jerusalem is going to be like, John, in Revelation 21, 14, he says this about about the 12 apostles. He says, uh, Revelation 21, 14 says, now the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb." So we know, you can go to the next verse, Des. We know that in Revelation that there seems to be uh, in in this new Jerusalem, which is basically uh, within the new earth, uh, there's going to be these foundations and the 12 names that there is a significance. That's all I'm pointing out to you guys. Um, but Jesus chose these 12, and they for us are our foundation of what we believe. They're a foundation. Now, no doubt Jesus is the biggest part of that, but he entrusted the gospel to them. He Entrusted it into their hands by their written words. We are able to know Jesus uh, in this in this original way. Ephesians chapter two verse twenty says this. I'll be on the screen. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. That the apostles is the foundation on which we're able to build. Right? They were the first ones. They were the first followers after Jesus. But why? Why can we trust what they have said is true? How, how do we know that uh, all these different stories and these different things that they, that they wrote to us about Jesus and about the faith, how can we trust them? Well, it's because they were eyewitnesses. Now, if you notice uh, in, the, in the original title, there's a little I, right, in the big W, witnesses. That's because everything cool nowadays has an I in front of it, like iPhone, iMac, right? Uh, and so, just just thought I'd do that. Uh, but eyewitnesses is really uh, with an i y uh, sorry an e y e like the word eyewitnesses, right? It's, it's i, it's what you've seen. But what comes to your mind when you hear the word eyewitness? What do you guys think of the eyewitness? Yeah, somebody, somebody who's seen something. someone who's seen something for sure. Good, the news, right? I eyewitness news. That's, that's definitely what I always. Think of what else? Yeah Yeah, you think of like a court that definitely that was, that came to my mind as well, like a legal case of some sort, like, oh, they were an eyewitness, and so they have to go and uh, testify in court, right? Sage. First-hand experience. Perfect. Uh, you can put up on the screen, eyewitness is a close observer who can describe what happened at an event. Pretty simple. It is a close observer who can describe what happened at an event. It's a personal witness. It's in a sense that in a sense that, that person has the, right, the front row seat, that they have complete vision. They were there. Uh, have you guys ever been to like a professional basketball game? Anyone? Or a professional hockey game or anything like that? There was one time, uh, Haley and I, we got given tickets to a Clippers game, which I'm a Lakers fan, so I didn't really care, but they were really good seats. Uh, they were like, you know, how there's like the floor seats, uh, like right on the basketball court. It's like, you know, the players like jump into them. They're like, oh my gosh, all sweaty and all that stuff. So there's those floor seats. We weren't sitting there, but then right after the floor seats, there's an aisle because those are like the super rich people. Uh, and then there's the, there's the first row after them. That's where we were sitting. And it was so close. The people were giants and it was super cool, but it was so close like you could see them sweating. It was almost like you know we're a little too close. These guys are disgusting. They're so sweaty, um, but it, it was awesome. But right, it's the front row seat. It's the floor seats. It's uh, right behind home plate that you can almost you can hear the conversation. This there are two times within the in the Bible that this word eyewitness is used, and we'll look at um, we'll look at one of them. I want you guys to turn to Peter chapter one. Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one, uh, verse. Uh, sixteen. I know it says thirteen up there, but we're gonna start in verse sixteen. So I wanna hear some some, some pages flipping. First second Peter chapter one. You guys good? Yeah, yeah follow along? Yeah. Anyone to sleep? If your neighbor's asleep, wake them up. If they're awake, then don't make them go to sleep. 2 Peter chapter 1. You guys there? If you're there, say word. Word. I heard like two people. If you're there, say word. Word. Okay. 2 Peter chapter 1. You there? Sage? You're not even flipping. All right, you can catch up. 2 Peter... Chapter one, verse 16, look with me. It says this, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Who's writing the letter? Who is the author? Peter, right? You should say that with a little more confidence, right? I mean, look at that, second Peter. So who do you think the writer is? Peter. And he says this, he says, we were there. He says, all the things I'm telling you about God and talking to you about, about what you should do in your faith and about who Jesus was. He says, I was there, that we saw him, that we saw his coming, that we saw his power, firsthand experience. And he says that we didn't make these things up. We didn't devise these fables and make up these stories and think about how grand of a plan that we could have and how we're gonna fool everyone. He says, we didn't make this stuff up. He says, we didn't get this stuff from other people. He says, we were there. He says, we saw Jesus, we knew Jesus. He says, we were even there at this particular time. Look at verse 17. He says, for he received from God the Father in honor and glory, speaking of Jesus there, when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Does anyone recognize that, that quote? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Yeah, there's two places where God audibly speaks from heaven when Jesus was here. There's two places. What are they? Yeah. Okay, perfect. That's first instance. What about the second one? Anyone know? Yeah. What was that? No, not not that time. It's when uh, Jesus kind of changes a little bit. Give you a little hint. The word is the transfiguration of Christ. I'll tell you about the first one. The first one is at his baptism, right? That Jesus is baptized by John the... Baptist, right? And John baptizes and dunks them under. And when he comes up, it says that the Holy Spirit, God's uh, presence, comes in the form, it seems, of of a dove, uh, some kind of bird that it gently came upon Jesus and it was visible. But not only visible, uh, that God spoke audibly where everyone in that presence they could hear. And God says this, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And uh, what Peter didn't add here, he also said, and hear him. You see, Jesus, we don't, we don't know if Peter, sorry, was here at Jesus' baptism, but we for sure know he was at what the Bible calls the transfiguration of Christ. And you're like, that's a big word, and I don't know what that means. Basically, with those, you remember the big three, James, John, and Peter? Uh, he says, hey, we're going to take a walk. They take a walk, and they go, and uh, Jesus says, uh, hey, stay right here. I'm just going to go up this hill. And still invisible sight, uh, Jesus uh, goes up the hill, and uh, all of a sudden, there's a very bright light, and Jesus's glory is exposed. You see, before, Jesus would look like anyone else. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't think anything of it. But there's this glimpse where the, Peter, James, and John get to see Jesus in all of his glory. No doubt blinding. And, uh, but up there, there was Matthew. Sorry, there is Moses, and there is Elijah. You see, Moses and Elijah were past dead, but they're still very much alive in heaven. But they were there standing with them and Peter, James, and John are witnessing this and they're like just blown out of their mind. But in that moment that Peter begins to speak, it says that, uh, that God the Father speaks as well. And he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased hear him. And Peter says, I saw this. He says, I saw this, I heard this, I was there. And these things I share with you, I share out of experience. I share out of experience. And he says, verse 18, and we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. You see, he saw this. There's the other time uh, that this word eyewitness comes up and that's in the the book of Luke. Luke chapter one uh, talks about it. You don't have to turn there. You see, Luke was not... Uh, an apostle. He's not one of the 12 that Jesus chose, but he was later on just a a follower of Christ. But for Luke, he had a lot of influence from Peter and the different disciples to be able to write the gospel, and he says that. He says, the way I'm writing this is because of those different disciples that have told me that their experience, that he has the eyewitness accounts within the gospel. And so uh, these are the two spots that this word eyewitness is used, but there's also, there's plenty of Spots, uh, places in the New Testament in the Bible that talk about the word just witness. If you just took off the word I, uh, there's lots of places in the New Testament that talk about witness. Can you guys uh, think of any spots, any particular verse? You don't have to know the verse reference, but maybe uh, some, some scripture would come to mind that has the word witness in it. It's a little bit different one, difficult one. I'll put you on the spot. Leaders, any any scriptures come to mind? The word witness? You don't have to know the reference. Haley? Acts Acts 1-8? Yep, we'll look at that one in a second. Any others? All right, for sure. What? Yeah, for sure, the the host of witnesses, that sounds familiar, for sure. I want you guys to turn to one more place, 1 John chapter one. It should be just one page over in your Bible. 1 John chapter one. It should be one or two pages over. It's right after 2 Peter. Pretty pretty quick, huh? 1 John chapter one, verses one through four. Check it out with me. You see, just like Peter had experienced that firsthand, so did John. And he says this, verse one, he says, that which was from the beginning." He's speaking of Jesus here. He says, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, Jesus. He says, we we have heard them. We we heard Jesus's voice. He says, we saw what Jesus looked like. He says, we have handled him. They, They knew what Jesus felt like. And he says, verse two, the life was manifested. Jesus was manifested to them. And he says, we have seen and bear witness and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. And he says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. And we'll stop there. And he says, look, we saw him. We knew him. We heard him. And these are the things that we're gonna share with you. These are the things that we're gonna share with you when Jesus was with the disciples after his resurrection, uh, Luke chapter 24, you can put it up on the screen. You guys can read along. You don't have to turn there. This is after Jesus is raised from the dead and he, and he meets with his disciples in the upper room and he says this. He says, he said, then he said to them, thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations. "'Beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses.'" Notice that part. "'You are witnesses to all these things.'" And he says, "'Behold, I send the promise "'of my Father upon you, but tarry or stay back "'in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued "'with power from on high.'" They were to wait for the Holy Spirit. But notice how he says, "'Look, you have seen it all,' Jesus says to them.'" He says, you are, "'You've witnessed these things.'" 1st hand experience.'" "'You saw remember how I died?' Remember how I died upon the cross? Hey, I'm here again. He says, you saw, now you've witnessed and experienced my resurrection. And later on, uh, they're gonna see even his ascension. And the, the verse that Haley mentioned, Acts chapter 1, verse eight, it's a fairly popular verse, but it says this. This is what Jesus says to him right before he, right, before they, right before he ascends into heaven. He says, but you shall receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, they were literally witnesses of everything. But to be a good witness, you have to open your mouth. You have to declare the things that you saw. You see, the worth of a witness is the words that they speak. A lot of W's there. But the worth of a witness, the witnesses. Is not worth anything if they don't speak. I mean, imagine a court setting, okay? And there was some com- crime committed, but no one, no, they thought no one saw. But then the, the side that was trying to, trying to prove them guilty, they say, wait, I have an eyewitness. And they put him up to the stand and they say, look, they saw it. And they say, okay, what, what did you see, Stan or whatever his name is? I don't know why Stan. Is anyone named Stan here? No one's named Stan anymore. Uh, yeah, he's on the stand. There you go. Perfect, Um, and he's there. And they say, "And they say, okay, what what did you see?" And he just stays silent. It's worthless. You see, a witness is one who speaks, and they were to be witnesses because they witnessed it. But what about you and me? Because were we eyewitnesses of Jesus's death and his resurrection, his life and his ministry? No, we didn't see it with our eyes. So then, what are we to do? You see though we weren't there, we are still to bear witness to the world that these things are true through their eyewitness statements, through the word of God. Because though we can't see Jesus, isn't it true that we know him through his spirit, through his word? And there's two things I want to just point out and take away uh, from this, this concept of them being eyewitnesses, Peter, John, the different writers that we have. You see, their testimony is trustworthy. That number one, their testimony is trustworthy. That the truth contained in the New Testament isn't passed down from generation to generation verbally. It's not a myth. It's not a story that was made up and developed over time and been tampered with. No, from the very beginning, these are the eyewitness accounts of the apostles, of the disciples, of the 12. And so we can trust it. And number two, uh, the disciples made mistakes. They were eyewitnesses. They were with Jesus, yet they still made mistakes. And for me, this is very encouraging. For me, this is I take a little hope in it because I make mistakes. I mess up. I'm a knucklehead sometimes. I do things I wish I wouldn't do. But for the apostles, the the 12, that we're to learn from their failures, not repeat them can anyone think of any mistakes or failures that come to mind when you think of the disciples? Yeah. Yeah, he did pretty good there, right? But then it's kind of, oh man, he, he got his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. What else? Yeah. Right, remember when Jesus was sleeping and they were like, Are you, do you care about that we're about to die? They said that to Jesus. They're like, basically, do you care that we're going to die right now, Jesus? Do you care? And he wakes up from his nap and calms the storm. Yep, Sage. Yeah, Peter. Peter denied Jesus right three times, basically, basically to his face. Lizzie, did you have one? Ah, oh, she stole it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Say it again. Yeah, Thomas, right? The doubter. Man, he's like, he's like, I ain't, I'm not, I ain't, I ain't gonna believe it. That's what he was saying. He's probably all crazy. Totally, so many mistakes, yet we're not to repeat them. We can learn from them. But for a moment, I want you guys to close your eyes. Everyone close your eyes, like for real. Like don't actually like pretend to open them. Close your eyes. I want you to think about what these 12 guys got to do with Jesus for three years. Right now, I want you to play in your mind as best to your ability. We don't know what they look like, but we can have an imagination. What was it like for these guys to be with Jesus to walk with him. They got to do everything with him. The good stuff, the bad stuff, the hard stuff. Think about times they may have had laughing with Jesus. Times I'm sure that they had eating with Jesus, not just at the last supper, but camping, eating over an open flame or something, hunting, I don't know. Not really having maybe anywhere to stay, but they had to camp out and sleep on sleep on rocks. Think about the long, tireless journeys that they had to walk from city to city, down from Galilee to Jerusalem, which is a three-hour bus ride. So imagine them walking. Think about them seeing Jesus' compassion for people firsthand, that they saw his love and his care. Keep your eyes closed. Think about some of the miracles that you know of, feeding the 5,000. Think about Jesus breaking the bread and putting it in baskets, and all of a sudden the baskets are full again. And they saw that. They were there. They witnessed it. Imagine them watching him converse and combat and just absolutely destroy the religious leaders with his words in such an amazing way. Think about them seeing literally Jesus were to say, be still. And an insane raging storm would be completely calm in an instant. Think about seeing him tortured on the cross, getting flogged and whipped, and then seeing him again after you saw the man that you've been following for three years just die. Imagine the joy and the excitement. You guys can open your eyes. You want to know what the craziest part of all this? That we can look and, man, there's times where we can envy and, um, man, I wish we could, I wish I could just see Jesus. I I would have such a better relationship with God if I could just see him. Man, I, I envy those disciples. They got to spend time with him. You see, the crazy part of this whole thing is that when the disciples were Jesus, they didn't have God's spirit in them, right? And so meaning you and I, 2,000 years removed from the situation, removed from the disciples, removed from Jesus, you and I can have a stronger relationship than the disciples did when they were with him. You're like, I, no way, I don't believe that. It's true, I, I believe that if Peter was here today He would tell us, if James was here today, if John was here today, he would stand up in front of us and he would say, he would let us know that I had a better relationship with Jesus once he left. Why? It's because the Holy Spirit was in them, that there is a connection that they had with God, with Jesus himself, so much more intimate than even being with him one-on-one. Now I'm so excited to be with him one day. I don't know about you guys, I can't wait, be awesome. To actually see what Jesus looks like? That's why I'm, I'm honestly just so curious. And to be with him and, and hear his voice? What does his voice sound like? They knew all that, and that's awesome. But you and I, we can have even a stronger relationship now, spiritually, with the Lord than, than they did when they were even with him. And so what's the goal of all this? Worship team, you can come out. Why do we care about the disciples See, in learning about the disciples over the next few weeks together, we're going to see their successes, we're going to see their failures, we're going to see uh, the mistakes, but we're going to we're going to hear about their words to us and we're going to learn from those things. See, their 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 stories and their names are in the Bible for a reason. God has them there. And though we are not eyewitnesses, we can become a witness. We can speak of what Jesus did from what we're told. We can speak of his work and his plan and his kingdom as if we are there, because that's how much we can trust the Bible. Remember, the whole point and the worth of a witness is the the words that they speak. And so if we're not speaking any words, then we're not being a witness. We're not doing what Jesus asked us to do, which was uh, not just to the disciples, but to us, that we would be a witness to the whole world of who Jesus is. And so the, the 12 did it. They were witnesses of Jesus. There was one that definitely messed up. He wasn't the best witness, but they did it. They went out and they rocked the world for Jesus. They were a witness. They were willing to use their words for God to work. Are we willing to do the same? God, we come before you and we thank you for this time in your word. We thank you, Lord, that you choose us, Lord. You chose the disciples when you were here. Lord, but you choose us, Lord, that you've known us before the foundations of the world and you've had plans for us. And though we haven't seen you, we love you. Though we haven't seen you, we know you. Lord, would you help us with the knowledge that we do have and the experience that we have with you? Would we open our mouths to others? Would we be willing to speak on your behalf? Would we uh, not stay silent? Would we be a witness for you? Would you give us the power to do that because we don't have it in ourselves. Lord, we need you now. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name, amen.